Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Griggert, your host, and I am glad, as usual, that you're with me. Thanks for joining me. Hey, we've been doing these uh, community awareness events, really what's happening to our children. It's called Stolen Innocence. And really protecting, you know, about protecting our children. You know, we were involved, uh, Jeff Gallish and I and the John Paul II Renewal Center, we've always been in, uh, involved with, with young people, with trying to keep them on track, trying to help them out through some, some, some rough times, a rough, crazy culture. And also, uh, if you remember, we work with the World Villages. It's a, uh, it's, it's basically, it's this incredible, uh, ministry. It's this incredible, uh, organization, um, really done by people that we know and run by people that we know. And, uh, they have, uh, basically, I wouldn't really call them orphanages. Some of the kids are orphanages, but they're really just underprivileged kids, kids that are on the street a lot, uh, kids that are very, very poor and, uh, and don't have an education. And uh, so anyways, what we do and what the sisters do, I should say, is they go out into these very, very poor villages and they look for, uh, they look for children that, that really have needs and wants. And they go and speak to their parents if they do and their guardians. And, and, and if they're open to it and if it works, they'll take a one child from a family and they bring it back to uh, what we call boys and girls towns. And these are places where they actually live. They're, they're, it's a big facility. Seven-story buildings uh, house, uh, you know, a couple thousand kids sometimes, and so they're educated, they're catechized, they're fed, they're loved, and they stay there for uh, about four or five years, five years, uh, let's say, and they learn a trade, but they they uh, they're educated and and uh, and then they go out into the world and they're catechized, so they they come to know Christ. It, it's just a beautiful thing that happens. Well, anyways, these are the most vulnerable and. and uh, uh, kids in the world. Well, we're doing the same thing in our communities. We have to protect the kids right in our communities. They're they're also vulnerable. They're also the most innocent among us, our children. And so, why you wonder? And people ask me after I uh, we give these these presentations on stolen innocence, and basically it's it talks about what the culture, what the companies, the culture, the government, even and and especially the schools, which surprise everybody, what they're doing to our kids, the new uh, national sex ed standards being taught in the school system, which which has a, you know it's just pushing pornography and twisted ideologies on these kids all the way down to kindergarten. So we talk about how to preserve childhood innocence by creating safe zones where children aren't exposed to that early sexualization and grooming, and and have parents and and grandparents educate themselves and then start spreading awareness to the evils of sexual sexualization and exploitation. Uh, we talk about how to spot sexual predators and there's 60 million adult survivors of child sex abuse just in the United States. That's one in every four women, one in every six men who have been sexually abused before the age of 18. You know, our society has become widely sexualized and the more sexualized the environment, the more dangerous it is for our children. And you have all these currents just attacking them. It's really, really sick. And so then, and we show them how to take action, how to volunteer at schools and other events, how to elect people at local school boards and library boards who, who put children first, and and then really uh, try to you know look up at at the laws and and what's going on with our public officials and try to get them to uh, elected that that won't stand for the corruption of our youth. And so this is just an incredible battle. So the big question becomes why. Everybody just is, they're like dumbfounded when they hear what's going on in our schools and stuff. And they go, why? How did this come to be? 
And it's, it's a great spiritual battle. If you don't get above the trees high enough to see the spiritual battle going down, uh, going on, when you get back down into the forest, you really don't understand the enemy. And, you know, and at the end of the day, while we have so many men and women that have been corrupted and their hearts have been corrupted and really taken over by, by Satan himself. And, and when you see this, that's the only way to understand what's going on. Uh, you know, this is a spiritual battle. And at the end, the enemy is the enemy. And when I tell people, and even when you see the crazy Joe Bidens of the world pushing uh, abortion and, and these um, gender ideologies on, on our kids, and again, you know, don't get, don't, don't get too confused here uh, when I say these things. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the innocence of kids. When you, you know, what you do in the privacy of your bedroom, uh, you know, that's going to be up to you. I'm not going to email you, so you don't have to email me and bother me either because I don't have time. I, I really look at, at, at uh, you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds, and I see what people are doing to them, and I'm saying, you know, if these poor children, um, if they survive the womb uh, and and are not aborted, and then they're attacked viciously, um, their emotions, psychologically, even physically uh, abused, you know, and and it's just one time after another. So what can we do, and how do we put it in context? So that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, you know, it's it's not brain surgery; it's a spiritual battle, and you got to understand the spiritual battle. So we we came into a we came into a story, didn't we? We didn't create the universe. We didn't write the big story that we came into. We came into it. And it doesn't feel like it, does it, by the way, I set this up, but it's a love story. It's a love story, and it's always been a love story. You know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is using and abusing and grasping and taking it. The opposite of love is is lust. And so you see that, you know, and this is the great battle between our Lord and Satan that you hear me talk about so much. So anyways, hey, I am going to get into that, I'm gonna, and, and I'm going to center it on Cardinal Kafara. I think you're going to find this really interesting. So you've heard me uh, talk about Cardinal Kafaro, who got that letter from Sister Lucia many, many times. I'm going to review that again with you. Go through some uh, some prophetic voices uh, that, that, that really kind of set this whole thing up so we got a good context of it. And then I'm going to read you what Kaf- uh, Cardinal Kafaro said right before... Uh, sometimes right before he he passed away. So this uh, in 2017, I don't remember the exact uh, uh, date that that uh, that he died, but he was one of the four dubia uh, cardinals when uh, when Francis was uh, going haywire as he continues to do with all his uh, his uh, his uh, confusion and mess. So, anyways, hey, this is a spiritual battle, and I and we need to know it. We need to set up, and we need to be able to to uh, to to actually flourish in it, you know, in the midst of chaos, <laughs> to find a good life, you know. Uh, Christ is with us. The Holy Spirit's with us. We, we, we're not battling alone, and you got to remember that, huh? Hey, buckle up and get ready for today's episode. Before I forget, don't forget to rate the podcast. Write us a note um, in there, you know, drop us a line. And also, uh, people have been asking me to either do Rumble or YouTube and uh, do a live version of this or a video version of this. Send me an email if you think we need that. Um, It's just an extra step for me. It's very doable. It's just an extra step. It takes a little bit more time, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And don't forget to financially support us if you can. Thank you very much. So anyways, um, originally published in 2008 was a remarkable interview that Carlo Cafara of Italy 
gave. And in it, he referenced that uh, that um, correspondence that I always talk about with Sister Lucia, the principal visionary of Our Lady of Fatima. So again, I'm setting up the spiritual battles and kind of an overview, and then I'm going to dig into the to the pillars that he talks about uh, to turn this whole thing around. And and actually, then uh, not today, but I'm going to uh, sequence into the three step solution for that, and and how we how we go to war with this, and and how we actually flourish during it. And and, and and I just have to add this. I'm I'm in the Chicago land area, and I'm looking out my my studio window, and I'll tell you what the biggest, be, most beautiful uh, snow is coming down. It's just kind of a soft snow, uh, just these big flakes. And you know that's that's again, you know, we're in the middle of uh, of winter. It's cold outside. Uh, we're talking about a lot of battles, but you know what? You know, God is still in charge. And the universe was created good, and the universe doesn't care uh, that that these crazy people are uh, trying to to destroy humanity. You know, it's it's got its own laws, natural law, and um, and nature's laws, and and they're going to go along. They're going to go along no matter how evil uh, men and women get. And uh, so again, you know, keep your eye on the on the prize. You know, keep your eye on on heaven when you look out. Look out the window every once in a while and see that you know God's in charge. There's so much beauty around us and and it's getting spoiled just by sin sin and death and and it's good to remember that and keep that in mind while we're while we're doing all this so anyways there was a prophecy by sister uh lucia of course of fatima she was the surviving visionary that you've heard me talk about so many times which concerns the final battle between the lord and the kingdom of satan and the battlefield so there's a question that they were asking cardinal kafara so the battlefield is the family Okay, got that? The battlefield is the family, life and the family. And so, you know, uh, we, we know that uh, they asked Cardinal Kafara, we know that you were given charge by John Paul II to plan and establish the Pontifical Institute for the Studies on Marriage and the Family. Uh, and then he answers this. He goes, yes, I was. At the start of this work entrusted to me by the servant of God, John Paul II, I wrote to Sister Lucia Fatima through her bishop as I couldn't do it directly. Unexplainably, however, since I didn't expect an answer, seeing that I had only asked for prayers, I received a very long letter with her signature, now in the, in the Institute's archives. In it, we find written the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Don't be afraid, she added, because anyone who operates for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be contented and opposed in every way, because this is the decisive issue. And then she concluded, however, Our Lady has already crushed his head. So, you know, to reiterate that, so we're going to get attacked when we stand for the sanctity of marriage and the family. We, we know that very much at the John Paul II Renewal Center. When you stand for and, and marriage and the family, right? So this is the innocence of, of children again. This gets back to uh, my opener there. And so, um, you know, when you talk to John Paul II, Cardinal Kafara said, you felt too, that this was the crux, as it touches the very pillar of creation, the truth of the relationship between man and woman among the generations. If the founding pillar is touched, the entire building collapses, and we see this now, because we are at this point, he said, and we know it. And I'm moved when I read the best biographies of Padre Pio and how this man was so attentive to the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the spouses, even with justifiable rigor on occasion. Okay, so marriage and the family. Why marriage and the family? Well, first of all, all of life comes from there. All of us came from, from the union of a man and a woman. 
But at the end, remember what what Jesus did in Matthew 19. He brings us back to the beginning when they're talking to him about divorce and, and the dysfunction, right, between relationships between men and women. He brings us back to the beginning before sin. And and this is, you know, and God pulls up right away in Genesis 1 and then in Genesis 2 again too. God pulls back into himself and, he, and he's got everything created. It's the beauty of all this and the, and the beauty of everything that's in the universe. And now he's going to bring his love into the world. And how does he do this? He creates, he creates a man and woman to be the sacramental sign, the sign of the union of the love of the Trinity itself. So the love of the Trinity again, the Father gives his love to the Son, the Son receives that, and it flows back and forth, and it's so beautiful and profound, it comes out in the form of a person. We call that the Holy Spirit. Well, how does God get that love story, that eternal exchange of love into the created world? He creates man and woman, where a, a man offers his love to his wife, his wife receives that love, and it's so beautiful and profound that this union of the two becoming one, you know, this this almost out-of-body experience of authentic uh, union and communion, it is, and, and, and at times it's going to come out so beautiful and profound, it comes out in the form of a person. We call that person the baby. So that is why it's so important. That's why uh, the, the the Catholic Church says that you know marriage is marriage, and you can't change that because it's it's not. We didn't make it up. You know what I mean? So you know people say you're a hater or a homophobe or whatever, and I go, what are you talking about? This was done from the very beginning. This is a belief from the very beginning. Would you just read Genesis 1 or 2, whether you believe in God or not, and you'll understand where we got this from, that we don't make this up. We didn't create the universe. We didn't write the big story. We came into a story. You know, and it is it's just wonderful. Uh, you know, we were giving this profound idea of the truth. And, and well, uh, let me just back up a little bit. You know, we talk about science, right? Then there's two presuppositions that you, you need to, to keep in mind when we're talking about science and the reality of science. First of all, the universe is created with a rational order. We know that, right? We look around, the sun's coming up where it's going to go. You know, the gravity continues to push down on us. Uh, you know, and, and so you see this order, this mathematical even order all around the universe, right? And now the second part of this that we have to presuppose is that mankind is the only creature that was created with the intellect and the reason so to be able to understand that rational order. There's no other human being, there's no other being around like a human being that is created to understand that. We were. We were created to understand that. That's because, again, we're the sacramental sign of love in the world, created right from the very beginning to be discoverers and go on this adventure and this journey of discovery with God. We're supposed to be walking in God and with God, and we go out into the world, right? And so it's so beautiful, and so you can't change those things. Again, we didn't <laughs> we didn't invent this thing. So does this come as any surprise to those watching the events currently unfolding in the church and in the world when people ask me again, what is going on? Why are they attacking kids? Why do they want to kill them in the womb so bad? Why do they want to destroy them when they get out of the womb and twist and distort them? And I said, you know, don't forget, guys, the enemy is the enemy. He's going to use human beings to do his dirty work, right? They, you know, Satan doesn't have his own clay, he wasn't the creator of the story. He's a creature, right? big, powerful intellect, way, way stronger than us. We, we, and this is why the spiritual battle needs to be known because we have to be, we, you know, we were always supposed to be in union and communion like the branch on the vine with God Himself, and God Himself is united to us. This is what gives us the power. 
But when we when we live like cut flowers, like we're doing today, in disintegration or, or disunion from that grace, then then we become very small compared to Satan, and it's very easy for him to push us around, isn't it? And so. Satan, though, doesn't have his own clay, so he's going to use the clay of, of, of human intellect and reason, uh, his body, his soul, and, and, and other things in creation to twist and distort it, right? So we have this threefold concupiscence, a concupiscence of the eyes, and that's looking around in the world, in the material world, and saying, just grasping, you know, lust for money and for power and stuff, right? You see the, 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 the world and its materialists just say, this is it. So I'm going to take what I can. Uh, lust of the flesh, you know, if we open ourselves again in di- disconnection, we open ourselves just to the world and just to Satan. He's going to twist and distort your flesh so that you just lust for one another, you know, and, and you see the, all these, you know, hedonistic things from pornography on up. And, uh, and then the pride of life, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I'll be like God, you know, I'll decide what's good and what's evil. And this all goes back all the way to Genesis again. Just go read Genesis, read Genesis 3 during the fall, right? So again, when people ask me, you have to understand this base in order to understand what's going on, right? Uh, we've referenced various apparitions in the past, right? As I've, I've talked about, like uh, Our Lady of Fatima. Now, here's one with Our Lady of Good Success. So this, uh, this was in the 17th century. So in the 17th century, Our Lady of uh, Good Success comes in. And listen to this. This is, this is her, her vision that she, uh, she paints for us. Thus, I will make it known to you that from the end of the 19th century and shortly after the middle of the 20th century, the passions will erupt, and there will be a total corruption of morals. After, As for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his church, it will be attacked and deeply profaned. So again, what, is it, what does it mean, the sacrament, the union of Christ with his church? Well, when Christ came back in, to, to take that, that image that I just, uh, I just explained to you, where, where God is an eternal exchange of love, he creates us, and we're the sacramental sign. Well, they got twisted and distorted through sin. So Jesus is the eternal bridegroom. The Father uh, pours his love out to the Son. Now, now Jesus, uh, hanging on the cross, now before he goes back to the Father, he pours this divine life and love back out on us. This is what the Eucharist is and the sacraments are, so that we can be filled again with this divine life and love as it was in the beginning, right? Before sin. Now, now he's not taking away original sin. It's still there. But but we have a Savior and a Redeemer. And uh, St. Paul and other saints would say it's, 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 the fall wasn't so bad because we have such a great uh, Redeemer, huh? this Jesus who makes visible God himself and comes, takes on a body and then pours himself out to us. And so this is the power of that. So, so that's what she says again. So the sacrament of matrimony, uh, the sacrament between a man and a woman, is is in you know, the in Genesis and the last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. It's the marriage of Christ and the church. So again, you have this image of the sacramental marriage pointing to Trinitarian love, and we see that uh, Trinitarian love in this world by Christ coming into the world, pouring himself out on the marriage bed of the cross, giving himself to the bride, the church herself. He's the eternal bridegroom, right? The sacrament that he's that he brought into this into the world, and he pours himself out to his bride, the church. And again, uh, the sacramental sign of the union union of a man and a woman is reflecting that in the created world of this union that God always wanted with you, 
that he always wanted with me. You know, God wants this intense relationship. He creates marriage to give us a little tiny taste of the union and communion he wants with us. And so this is right away. It starts, you know, eternity doesn't mean tomorrow. Eternity means forever. And so what happens right now as we open ourselves up to Christ, you know, as we open ourselves up to the eternal bridegroom, as we receive the sacraments and go into prayer and pray the rosary and open up our hearts, we're filled again as it was supposed to be from the very beginning before sin into the world. Huh? So this Redeemer comes in to save us and put us right and untwist what Satan has twisted. So, so again, uh, she goes on to say then Freemasonry, which will then be in power, so this city of man, huh? So men who have turned away from God, they're going to take the power now. It's a lust for power, for money, and for sex. And, and they're going to in, uh, enact inequitous laws, with the aim of doing away with the sacrament of marriage, making it easy for everyone to live in sin and encouraging procreation of illegitimate children born without the blessings of the church. In this supreme moment of need for the church, listen to this, you guys, the one who should speak will fall silent. So in this time, in this crazy time where things got twisted and distorted, all the way, she said, from the end of the 19th century and shortly after the middle of the 20th century, you know, and this is what happened, right? You know, this was in the, you know, in the 60s, huh? 1960s and, and 70s, we saw, right, to the, shortly after the middle of the 20th century, the passions were erupting and there would be total corruption of morals. Well, this is it. This is what we're living in right now. And in the supreme moment of need for the church, the one who should speak will fall silent. Well, who do you think she's talking about? I mean, just look at the Vatican right now. Not only are they, are they silent, but they're just adding to the corruption right now. I mean, the Vatican is just... Uh, and again, I don't want to throw everybody under the bus there, but but uh, but it's it's certainly a very toxic mess right now. So when we reflect on the division among the prelate, uh, prelates, so you have the car, uh, the cardinals and, and the bishops, right? And you have uh, this division right now. You see the good ones standing against the the uh, the, the really the evil ones. Our Lady of Akita, uh, Akita comes to mind. Now, Our Lady of Akita came in 1973. And she's, uh, she showed herself since then, too. But this is what she said. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres, churches and altars sacked. Listen to this. So Our Lady of Akita now, this is our Blessed Mother. She comes in and she says, again, I'm going to read that again. And of course, you can go back and listen to it, but it's just astounding what's going on right now, right? The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Isn't that true? We see all these canceled priests, these priests taken out who venerate our Blessed Mother. It's happening all around us. The best priests are being just scorned and taken out. And if they dare preach the truth, right? And she says this, churches and altars will be sacked. Isn't that what's happening right now? It's, it's all over the United States and actually all over the world where churches and altars are being sacked. We, we, we hear about this almost daily right now in the news. The church will be full of those, she goes on to say, who accept uh, compromises and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. 
I mean, it's amazing, right? So does this battle relate to the famous discourse Pope Leo XIII was alleged to have heard in a vision between Christ and Satan, which led him to compose the prayer to St. Michael? Probably. How long the final battle will last and what will come afterwards? Eh, it's impossible to know. But the notion that there is at this very moment a battle taking place for the heart of the church and the heart of you and the heart of me for all of us, and especially for the most innocent among us, our children, and if they can warp and, and destroy the, 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 this generation, this last generation coming, everybody above them has been pretty much taken out and compromised you know, as a whole in general, and they're just going in just to, to do this last pulverization. And so we have to stand for the innocent of, of these children, you know? And uh, we know this. We know this attack, and this is what we're feeling right now. So I am going to end right there, and just uh, I, I have a lot more I, uh, I want to read from Cardinal Kafara. So that was really just the opening of this. And so watch for this again. Uh, I'll name it the same name. I'll just put a number two after it, and, and we're going to be talking about Cardinal Kafara, where he said, we're no longer witnesses but deserters if we do not speak openly and publicly about these issues. We are no longer witnesses, but deserters if we do not speak openly and publicly about these issues taking place. So we have to understand those issues, and, uh, and I'll get back and address those in the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone. Glad you were with me. 